Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. We're going to be talking about something today that uh, has a lot of different definitions. We're going to be talking about a topical topic that's called spiritual warfare. And there's lots of books out there. There's lots of things, lots of teachings, lot, tons of stuff out there about spiritual warfare. But we're going to be in really the book of Ephesians and walking through this. And what's very important is you understand the context before we get to this passage of how this book was written. We spent 10 weeks walking through the book of Ephesians. It's been life-changing, transforming. God's been doing amazing things through it. But I just want you to hear this just for a moment. This book, Ephesians, we're reading, was written in 62 A.D. Paul penned it. He wrote it. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it became the Word of God for us. God breathed through him to, to give this to us. But this is what was happening when this book was written. Paul was imprisoned in Rome. The scene was grim. He went to Rome out of the end of Acts. He was going to Rome. Um, they knew, uh, his friends knew that if we went to Rome, it, he was going to die. Paul knew it. But he went to Rome anyway. And he went there. And as a matter of fact, there's this one passage where his friends held him. And they wept together because they didn't want him to go. When I read that, I long for friends like that in my own life. But I long for the courage to be obedient to the voice of God and follow as Paul followed the Lord. But he went to Rome, and so when he got there, he was hated. He was a hunted man by Rome. They hated him. This is in the time when Nero was lighting the streets through, through actually burning Christians, hanging them up and lighting them on fire because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul shows up in Rome. He was in prison. The scene was grim. He was in this nasty cell. No ventilation, no plumbing. The stench of human waste permeated the air, probably burnt his eyes Paul is sitting in traditional Roman shackles, his, his hands and his feet shackled, his body tired as an older man, frailed and aging, his beard and his hair are matted. And Paul is faithful in this setting. Also, when he was in Rome, he was held under house arrest for some time as well. But in prison, he wrote four books, and they were Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And that's why they are called the prison epistles. Some people think, some children thought the epistles were the wives of the apostles, but that's actually not true. They're just called epistles. And so I, I, I just want you to understand this being written. What I love about this is Paul is writing this letter and he spins five chapters into this, into this book, and he's writing about God's goodness and God's grace and God's love, and, and, but keep in mind, he's in prison. If all, any of us wrote a, wrote a letter to our friends, we would be like five chapters of how horrible things are, and I can't believe it. Why God, and where is God, and what about God, and then at the end, God bless you. That's probably what we'd say. But you don't hear that from Paul. He is moving the church forward. And what I love in the words of this, uh, of this, of this um, book is you hear this clear message from Paul. You know, you can imprison my body. 
You can shackle my arms. You can shackle my legs. You can restrict, restrict what I do, what I see. You can still try to steal my hope, but you will never incarcerate my joy. You will never take my hope. You, you will never take my inheritance. You will never stop me from moving the kingdom of God forward. That's what he's saying in this book. And what I love about this is God speaking to us today. And so this whole issue of spiritual warfare, before I get into it, I want to show you, before we read the passage, um, my wife and I, um, we were in Rome a few weeks ago, and, and I, I was finding this prison. I knew it was there where Paul was actually held. And I want to show you a picture of it. And we found it, and uh, I went down in there and, and just began to look at it. And what's really fascinating about, about this, uh, this cell is that Paul was held here in Rome. Peter was also held here. Possibly Luke came to visit Paul to get a record of, of his journey throughout. That's why Luke wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke visited him and gathered information and interviewed Paul. And, and so this is a pretty amazing spot right here to think that the books that we read were written in this room. So I was just in there like, like Lord, this is super cool. Could you use me like you use Paul? You know, trying to touch stuff. Somehow it's going to rub off on me. I don't know, but I was just trying. We can look at another picture we have one. That's the, this is the, uh, the grate that goes up that, that would be above the prison for some type of ventilation. And there's a, we have a wider picture. It gives you a better picture of, of all of this. And, and this is where Paul wrote some of these books. And so here is Paul, and he's, uh, he's getting ready to write. And, he's, uh, and he looks up, and he's writing this last, these, these eight verses we're going to read today. And, I, and I'll be quicker on, on this passage because we, we don't have a whole lot of time this morning. He's going to, to write these eight verses. And he's just written all these things about God's love and God's goodness and God's kindness and, and how, how to be a parent and how to be um, a, a married and, and just all these wonderful things. And then he thought, you know, I, I want to leave them one more thing. And he has to ask the question, what is it like to be a Christian? Because I want to prepare them to actually understand what it's like, the journey that's ahead of him. This is a man, he had been through so much. He had been beaten, he had been whipped, he had been in prison, he had been without, he had been with. He, he's had, he's, he had been without food, he had been with food, he had been in a shipwreck, he had been beat 40, you know, 40 lashes. And, I mean, the guy was like, what, what is it like? What can I encourage other believers? What it's like to be a Christian. Now, I want you to keep in mind here, he's in Rome. He's in a prison, and he looks up, and he sees a Roman guard. And in my mind, this is what he says. That's what it's like. Being a Christian is like being a soldier. And then he begins to write these words that are famous. And he's, he's looking at the Roman soldier, and he's thinking, this is what it's like. And he says this in Ephesians 6, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And offer, sorry, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the 
readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be praying for all the Lord's people. This is the beauty of this passage. When you hear about him being in prison, he looks up, he sees the guard, and then he writes this And we today are talking about spiritual warfare. We're not getting in too deep. We're coming about 30,000, 40,000 feet over it. But it's important that we understand this. And one of the things I want to move through this quickly this morning, I want to give you some four truths about spiritual warfare. And the first one is this. The spiritual battle that we are in is real. The spiritual battle is real. That we live in a spiritual world. And there is a battle that is going on around us and in your life that you do not see and cannot see with your natural eyes. And this is what I do know. Spiritual warfare is not for the spiritual elite. It's not for those who are qualified for the spiritual Olympics. It's not those who grew up in the right house and can quote all the scriptures and know all the answers or people who live in other countries. Spiritual warfare is a reality and it is a fact for the Christian life whether we believe it or not. Amen? C.S. Lewis said this, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. So this is the world that you and I live in. And the purpose of this time this morning is just hopefully to open our eyes a little bit for us to understand that we are just not living in a natural world. And that we can, we can fall into that very easily, and, and myself included, because you see natural things all the time. It's where we live. We go to work. We, we buy gas. We get coffee. We, you know, we, we have a family. You watch TV. You, you, you go for a run. All of this natural stuff you see all the time. And what we can forget is actually we are living in a supernatural world. And I want you to notice that this passage, key passage on spiritual warfare, Paul does not tell the church how to cast out demons. Though that's part of spiritual warfare, that's, that's not what he was going after. So spiritual warfare isn't just about casting out demons. It is a practical, everyday thing that Paul is talking about. And it's simply this, that spiritual warfare is not a one-time event. It's not a one-time event. It's not something that you do on certain occasions, but it is something that you are. It is a fight that you are in, whether you realize it or not. Matter of fact, it's everything you think. I have those on your notes so you can see. It's everything you think. Have you ever wondered? I mean, you could be like listening to Caleb, like, you know, sipping a coffee from a from a Christian coffee house. You're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you'll, you'll have a thought that comes out of nowhere, hit your mind, and you'll think, where in the world did that thought come from? Did that ever happen to you? All of a sudden you get hit with fear. You have a thought about your child. Oh, fear. You have a perverse thought, and you think, how in the world, where did that come from? 
All of a sudden, you, you, you feel a temptation or an urge or, or, or an impulse or a feeling. All of a sudden, bitterness will just drop in your heart and you'll have this conversation with something or somebody that causes, where, where do you think that came from? It came from the enemy. It is the enemy. It is the fight that we are in all the time. The other thing is this, that spiritual warfare is every relationship that you are in, it's going on. Every relationship you are in. Your marriage, with your children, with people at church. Because God's purpose is to unite us and bring peace to us. When you look at God, when you read scripture, all about, all about what God wants to do is, is unite us. There's power and unity. He, Jesus prayed that his disciples would be one, that Christians would be one, so that we can demonstrate to the world that what, what Jesus said or who Jesus said he was, was actually true. Why? Because unity is a bad, or disunity, excuse me, disunity is a bad testimony of Jesus Christ. So the enemy is always trying to get us out or not unified. And so that's why we, we struggle with things in the church or in our lives with, with bickering. We can struggle with gossip or with slander or all types of things that happen because Satan is trying to break down the unity of your marriage, of your family, of this church, and of your life. Another spiritual warfare is this. It's, it's the way that we respond in every aspect of our life. It's how do we respond? How, how do we, what, what do we say with our mouths? What do we think with our, with, our, with our minds? What thoughts do we allow to run crazy and wild that will determine a, an outcome? Because what you believe, you will become. What you believe, you will become. And that's just the reality. I think it's very important for all of us I believe for every Christian, you need to understand this. It would do us a lot of good in our Christian walk if we could become aware that we live in a world where demons are real and they hate you. My prayer this morning is that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes to a spiritual world that many of us ignore. I want you to hear this again. I believe it would do all of us good if we would become aware that we live in a world where demons are real and they hate you. They are out to destroy you. And so whether you want to be in a battle or not, the reality is this, you're in a battle. You are in a boxing ring whether you want to be or not. And if you're a Christian, you're fighting. You can pretend like you're not fighting, but you are fighting. So next week I'm going to be giving us some practical steps on how to, how to fight this good fight that Paul is calling us to. But something I, I want you to understand is part of the scripture that we just read, it says this, it says, that we are strong in the Lord. That's something very important. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. I want you to look at something in the statement. It says, if you're in, it says this, if you're in the Lord, you are strong, or maybe a better way to say it, you have strength available to you in this fight. 
So not only are you strong in the Lord, you are also strong in His mighty power. In other words, your battle that you're fighting, you are not subject to your own weakness because I think we could all admit, I, I, what, what do I have to fight the enemy with? Well, we're going to talk more about that. But it's important you understand that the, the fight that you're fighting is about you being strong in his mighty power. And so this is just hopefully the first layer. Is number one is simply this, that the, the battle we are fighting in is real. We are all in a spiritual battle. The second truth about spiritual warfare is this. Number two, this is the big one. People are not the enemy. Let's say that together. People are not the enemy. Verse 12 says this, for our battle or for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In other words, people are not the enemy. We say this, we know this scripture. But if we believed it, it would change our behavior and it would change our actions. Actually, this is what Paul's saying. You need to stop fighting each other and start fighting the devil. There are families who are breaking down and they're playing into the, into the hand of Satan because they fight each other all the time. I think this is what Paul is saying. We cannot defeat the enemy if we are fighting one another. Happens all the time. If the enemy can distract us and get us to fight each other, get us to be frustrated with each other, get us to, to, to say this word to that person or to be offended on this aspect, all of a sudden we lose our effectiveness. And Satan knows this. And he will completely convince you or people that our real enemy is an individual or certain people from within a group. And we'll start to think, boy, they're our enemy. Can you believe them? Can you believe that they do that? Can you believe that they, they have that, that parade? Can you believe that, that those Democrats do this or those Republicans do that? Or can you believe it? And all of a sudden, individuals become the enemy or groups of people become the enemy. And we pick up offenses. And once you pick up an offense, it cripples you from being effective in God's kingdom. It happens in marriages, and this is very, very important, that people are never the enemy. Now, people can be influenced by the enemy, but according to the, to the Bible, our battle is not against people. Can you turn to someone and just tell them, you are not the enemy? Just tell them. You are not the enemy. Just tell them. You are not the enemy. We all have something in us, though, that, that recognizes that, that we, we want to fight. I believe God created us and made us to fight. We can be surrounded by, because we are, we're surrounded by a broken world. We're surrounded by pain. We're surrounded by our own disappointments. We're surrounded by, by things that have been done to others, and we see it, and it's an injustice. Or things are done to us that we are hurt by it. But unless we take those emotions... And we use those emotions for spiritual warfare. Unless we put them into spiritual warfare or we put them into prayer or we put them into lovingly serving one another, we will deposit those emotions into someone else's ear. I promise you, you will. And what's going on inside of all of us will, 
needs an outlet. It's going to come out somewhere. And I believe God designed us for to feel these things, but then to do something about them in the spiritual realm. The, the worst thing we can do is do something about them in a physical realm when God's wanting us to do something about them in a spiritual realm. And so this happens in people's lives. They get full of emotion and they begin to fight. Families fight, children fight, neighbors fight, spouses fight, church people fight. And here's the, here's the reality. Unless you fight the devil, you will end up fighting people. You'll end up fighting the person who is not your enemy. I think this could be a lifeline to some, some families today. There's this sense of, of animosity in your family. There's a sense of angst. There's a sense of, of just pressure. There's a sense of everything that someone does annoys this somebody else. And it's just, it's building and building and building and building. Let me encourage you. It's time to fight. Not each other. It's time to pray. It's time to take authority over your home. It's time to say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the this, this spirit of strife from my home. It's, for, it's time for you to come into alignment. Say, in the name of Jesus, I, I come against all these thoughts that I'm having against this person or against that individual or against that person at church. I, I, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And you begin to do spiritual warfare. And the enemy's desire is that we would become bitter, we would become resentful, angry, grumpy, anxious, suspicious. And, and if he can do that... He will make us ineffective to the call of God that he's placed on our life. A person who is offended is a person who is ineffective for God's kingdom. I, I, I would encourage you, if you are friends with someone who is offended, and every time you, you meet with them, they talk about how they can't believe somebody did something else, you, you should probably just speak to them and say, hey, listen, every time I talk to you, you're always telling me how you're offended about something. Maybe you've picked up an offense. And you might say, I can't tell them that. They'll get offended. Well, they just might. <laughs> but it might save their life and put them back into the will of God to accomplish something. So this whole idea that people are not the enemy. Because of our time, I'm going to need to move quicker through this than what I wanted to. But this, we are in a natural battle. Sorry, we are not in a natural battle. We are in a supernatural battle. And it's important for Christians to understand this. Because we can forget. And you can feel hopeless when you're in the middle of a battle and you don't know what to do because the physical world, the physical life that you're living and walking through seems to be melting down. Relationships and your thoughts. And, and all of a sudden you, you begin to, to process through all this stuff and you feel hopeless because what you need to do is lift your eyes from the, from the natural and start doing warfare in the supernatural. And we'll talk more about warfare next week. But this whole idea is that God is inviting us into his spirit to understand that we're a part of this battle that's going on in the spiritual realm. I'm not talking, I don't, I don't want to spend this time mystifying spiritual warfare, which a lot of, a lot of people do. I don't, I don't want to mystify it. I, I, th I think there are some things further down the road that we could talk with and, and talk about all kinds of stuff. But the, for us as Christians... It's important we understand that we are in a battle. And it's not about always rebuking a demon out of somebody or something. Most of the time, it's, a, it's about us living the battle or being victorious in the battle between our two ears and with our relationships. 
And we live in a spiritual world that Jesus has equipped us to fight. The third thing I just want you to know as we walk through this two kind of part series is number three, the devil has strategies against you. The devil has strategies against you. He's just not someone who doesn't have an intelligence. He is, he is incredibly intelligent. Verse 11 says this, to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This word schemes is strategies. This means, you know what a strategy is? It means someone has sat down, they've planned out, they've watched, they, they've put two and two together, they've, they've, they've watched things. They know where to put things and how to trap things. There is a strategy. And Paul is talking about this whole idea that the enemy has a strategy. This is a great picture of the reality of the realm of the spiritual, that evil is not a force, it's not a thing. It is the manifestation of an intellect of Satan himself. And I know anytime I teach on spiritual warfare, people oh, be careful, Jason. The devil's going to get you for teaching on spiritual warfare. Well, you're going to stir Satan up. I hope I do. I hope I do. I, I often think, listen, if I'm not facing any opposition, I'm probably not doing anything. When Jesus said that the, kingdom, not, that the kingdom of God will advance, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the kingdom of God, when he said that, that means there's some friction. There's, there's something going on all the time. And we need to know that the evil in our world is not just it's not a force. It's not, you know, it's not Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. It's real. But also... Everything that comes from Satan, this is important that we understand. Everything that comes from, from Satan is there to destroy us, to steal from us, to kill us, and to destroy us. And all truth and all good and all joy, everything good comes from the Father. So evil is not something that just happens. It's incredibly intentional of Satan himself towards you. It's important that you understand that. But we need to remember that God has given us victory over demonic things. We need to remember that God has equipped us, and which I'm going to just show you in just a moment, in our spiritual battle. But also, just as though there is evil things that are done personally against you, there are good things that are done personally for you by God the Father. And here's something we need to understand. We always think that, that there is this, that, that we have God and we have Satan. And they're battling. Oh, they're just duking it out. No, no, no. You, you, we've got this wrong. We have God and we have Satan. It's important for you to understand. Everybody, oh, but if Satan, listen. If Sa Satan does not have any authority, it's been stripped from him over your life on the cross. Now, we can open up doors that allows him to have authority in us, and then we can come back and repent or, or, or redirect some things in our life, and we can shut those doors and be sealed again in a fresh new way. But the, here's the reality. You are not at the mercy of the strategies of Satan, but we are to be aware of them. And so how do we deal with demonic things? Simply what? This is a simple one. Out of James it says this, that we need to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You resist him, and he will flee from you. And every strategy, 
of the enemy, though, leads to deception, bondage, and destruction. But here's what's something very interesting about the enemy is that when he comes in and he begins to, to build a lie, because that's what happens. The moment you believe the lie is the moment that you give authority or a trajectory of your life to something that isn't of God. What's very, very difficult sometimes is to, is to unwind this idea of what is truth and what is a lie. I, I, I will hear it sometimes in, in doing some marriage counseling where someone will say, yes, but my, my husband doesn't treat me right. I deserve better. Okay, those, th- those two things are true. Therefore, I will find someone else to meet that need. That's where the lie comes in. Now, the root of that whole feeling and emotion is true. You're right. Your husband should treat you better. You're right. You're absolutely right. He should appreciate you more. But that is not the reason to then take another step and believe a lie. That somehow your, your, your better life is outside of the will of God and is opposite from what the truth of God actually says. So this whole idea of we need to be very careful what we believe with our minds and how we process. Because the same, same thing happens. The moment we believe a lie is the moment that we get locked into something. That's why for our salvation, the moment that you got saved was the moment that you, what, you believed that Jesus Christ, who was set, Jesus Christ was who he said he was. That's why in the world we need the Holy Spirit. We need discernment, and that's our desire as a church, that we would become more familiar with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Word of God and and to study the Word of God, not to come up with our own assumptions, what we think the Word of God says, or process them through our own emotions, our own experience, but to let the Word of God speak to us, transform us, and change us. And if if we have these three things, we have the Word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, we have Jesus in our life, and we have relationships around us that are parameters for us. They are guardrails for us in our lives. But here's what will happen. The enemy will begin to lie to you, one, about the validity of the Word of God. They'll say, it's not true. You young people, you'll be told the Word of God's not true. You can't trust it. Yeah, that scripture doesn't mean actually what it means. It means something else. Then all of a sudden, your guardrail is gone. Or the enemy will begin to get you to doubt what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the still small voice. That can't be the Holy Spirit. That's something else. That's just, that, that, that's just something else going on in your life. Or relationships. You say, you know, I don't need relationships. I don't need a small group. I just need my Bible and me and my prayer closet. That's all I need. And so the enemy, all of a sudden, he systematically begins to remove from you all the things that actually are there to strengthen you and give guardrails to your life and protect you from his strategies. So here, here is just some, some questions I just, I, I just want to give you that you can process through and how you discern what the enemy might do against you in your life. Simple question. What would I do to me if I were the devil? So if the enemy has strategies, the question is what would I do to me if I were the devil? How would I tempt me? Because you know you. And guess what? The enemy knows you as well. Or what would I try to do to my church if I were the devil? What would I do? How would I try to divide the church? What would I try to do with my family if I were the devil? My nation, my marriage. And we can actually find 
out a law just by putting some thought to it and recognizing we're in a spiritual battle and God's given us a brain that somehow we can process through and come to these conclusions to help us put roadblocks in our own life. So we know that we are in a spiritual battle. And what I do know is this, that God's purpose for you is tremendous, it's beautiful, it's powerful, but we have a God that is here to give us life to give us life abundantly. And so we can process through this world of, of spiritual warfare, and somehow we can get caught in this feeling. Maybe God isn't for me. Listen, you need to know this, that God is for you. He, is, he has given his, everything that he, that he possibly has. He's given it to you. He's given it for you. And Jesus gave his life for you so that you could live a life of victory, that you could overcome the works of the darkness, that you can push back evil in your own life. That's what he's equipped you to do. And though we are in our spiritual world, my friends, Jesus has already purchased the victory for you. It's just time for us to walk in that. I want to give you the last point here, and I, I had to skip a lot of things today, and my apologies for that. I'll try to make up for it next week. The last point is, what is the last truth on spiritual warfare, number four, you are equipped for battle. You are equipped to fight, my friends. God has full confidence in you. You need to know this, that the war, as I've already said, the war has been won by Jesus Christ. And you are equipped, equipped to stand against the enemy. Notice what Paul says in verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. You can take your stand against the devil's scheme. Notice that Paul doesn't say put on your armor. He says put on the armor of God. That which is given to you has been given to you by God himself. And God has given each of us weapons of warfare. And it's interesting that Paul didn't tell them, you just get the heck out of Dodge. You're in a fight. Run, baby, run. He doesn't say that. He says, I want you to stand. I don't want you to fight. This means that you can make a difference with your prayers. This means that you are equipped to make a difference with your actions. This means that you are to be a shining light to push darkness away. I've often said it before, there's one thing, there's one element that is actually faster than the speed of light, and that is the speed of darkness when light shows up. Think about it. This means that you, as a, as a person, as a person who is filled with the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, who has the armor of God, you can lay your hands on your children, and you can rebuke the strategies of Satan off of their life. This means, that, that this means that if you're going through health problems and you're thinking, is this spiritual or is this physical? I don't know. It means you can lay your hands on yourself, have your small group pray over you, begin to bind the work of the enemy on your physical life. That means that if you're having a day when you're just, you're, your mind is just going crazy, you can say, I take authority I, over every thought that comes into my mind. I take authority over you in the name of Jesus. It means you can call friends and say that you begin to pray because you are in a battle. But you've been equipped with every good gift. You've been equipped with the armor of God. It's him. He is the one who gave it to you. It's maintained by him. It is, it is, it is given to you by God himself. That you are not at the mercy of Satan. But you have been called to be a high priest. You've been called to fight for your family. This means if you're facing a hopeless situation and it looks hopeless, let me tell you, it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless. 
This means that if you're facing something that's going on in your life, if you're facing an addiction and you think, you know what, I, I, I just can't get over it. Let, let me tell you, there is hope for you because you can take authority over Satan himself. We live in a spiritual battle and a spiritual world. Everything that we interact with is just not about, it's not this stuff. It's this stuff. This is why we need the Word of God in our lives. This is why we need to press into God through worship. This is why we need to guard our mouths from speaking things that Satan tells us in our own minds. This is why not all the time you cannot trust your emotions. I hear people all the time, yes, but that's just how I feel. Well, when's the last time you could ever trust how you felt? The enemy is out to destroy you. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. And my, my hope of today's message is that even this week, we begin to open our eyes to the spiritual world we live in. And you can't just over-categorize and say, well, then, you know, everything that happens is just spiritual. It's actually not. If I hit my hand with a hammer, it's going to hurt. I don't have to rebuke a demon out of it. I might need to get my own head checked if I do that, but you know what I'm saying. But it allows us to begin to ask God, Lord, is this, what's going on here? What's going on in my family? What's going on in my marriage? What's going on in my church? Maybe we have been looking at the physical. And God's saying, no, 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 your, your deliverance is in the spiritual. And I just want to lift your eyes to that as we begin this journey of recognizing that we Christians are in a fight. You are in a fight. My friends, it's time to fight. It's time for you to fight for your family. It's time for you to go lay your, lay your hands on your 16-year-old's head and say, I'm going to pray over you. It's time for you to lay your own two hands on your own head and say, I'm going to pray for you. It's time for you to, when you walk into your house, say, Lord, is there anything you want me to get out of this house that's a doorway of the enemy that can come in? Every compromise will lead to another compromise. Every compromise you make gives Satan a stronghold in your life. Maybe it's time. That we as a church take a step up. And let's begin to fight. Amen? Let's begin to fight. Let's begin to pray. Let's do it. There are, there are souls that God wants us to reach. I, I, I hear this a lot. And, and you know, people over-spiritualize a lot of things. They're like, you know what? Well, when you do this type of ministry, it always stirs the enemy up. And that's really the, the area of ministry. You always get the most opposition. Maybe. But the most opposition that I see is when we, as a church, make a decision that we're going to actively pursue those who are in the grip of Satan himself and remove them and bring them into the kingdom of light. You want, you, you want to see pushback? Have a heart for the lost. You, you, 
you, you, you want to see some spiritual warfare? Begin proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. If, if you want to see that, that's what you're going to see. And I believe there are millions of souls. I believe this room can be filled with people who are lost, but we're going to have to fight for them. They're just not going to come to us. Your family, you better, you're going to have to fight for your family. We're going to have to fight for them. And it's time we begin to do spiritual warfare and recognize, not to do it, but to recognize we're actually in it. And it's time to see deliverance come for many of our lives. Let me pray for you for a moment. Just bow your hands. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.